This is Unclaimed Bands, episode 32. Hey music listeners, this is Sean from Unclaimed Bands, and tonight we're coming from the legendary Dobbs at 304 South Street in Philadelphia, PA, and tonight's guest is Aaron Barr. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Excellent. Well, we're happy to have you here. So first question I got to ask, probably a little boring for you, but um, what led you to music? I don't know. I don't think it was something that I consciously chose, but it's always been a part of my life. You know, I've was classically trained as a piano player since I was about four. You know, I was in like a, a music preschool, and I really thank my parents for having the wherewithal to do something with me when I was very young, and I just haven't stopped. But my father is a, an audiophile. He like sets up acoustic rooms and, and mixing situations for engineers and people who really love to listen to music. So I've I, I've always been listening to music at a really high sonic level since I can even remember being alive. Gotcha, gotcha. So what you're basically saying there is that forget the video games, parents, get your kids into music. Then. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Much and, you more know, they're cutting those they're cutting the funding for public schools and yeah, it's a and shame. it's you know, it's not as accessible as it was and I just I'm blessed to have had the opportunity, you know. Well, you know, I wanted to ask you if you can dig in a little bit deeper about your education, working with your father, and, and becoming more of an audiophile. Like, yeah. What, what was that like? When did he start doing that with you? Um, I mean, we always had, like, he always had a room in the house that was specifically for listening. And, you know, so I would sit there with him, and we would listen all the time. Um, and I, I've just been taking piano lessons since the first memories that I have. In, in some respects, I think that's a, actually very accurate. And it just it just evolved and moved on. And then, you know, I knew I wanted to do music, but I didn't know exactly what part of it. So went to a couple music schools, <laughs> ended up at Berkeley, and just had a really good run of it. Songwriting was the way to go. Went there. Mm-hmm. And then it's just been one step in front of the next. And, and now it's like an amalgamation of electronics and you know engineering and instrumentalist and writer it's like now all one thing well i was going to ask about that i mean when you after after growing up you know obviously with the piano and then what your father taught you and what your experiences there how did uh, how did going in, going to the berkeley school of you know music change your perception of writing recording and even even listening um i mean again it's like I'm just blessed to have had these opportunities. Berkeley's a fantastic institution, and I learned a lot of stuff, some of which it took me a while to forget so that I could really learn it later on in life. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't really, like, sink in right away. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I was in studios, I was in writing situations, and I learned a lot, which I'm still learning. Like, if parts of it are still marinating with me and I'm, I'm learning more from that education every single day that I'm out in the real world yeah, always learning new stuff for sure well, it's, it's great I mean a lot, I think a lot of people don't really look at it that way unfortunately you know what so much so much thing things can bleed through and it's good that you, you're consciously aware of that the best thing about going to Berkeley though really beyond all the education since this industry is based upon a network mm-hmm. is the people that I know from there and the relationships that I've developed 
from the time I met somebody when I was 18 years old or even to say, you know, somebody that graduated 10 years before me. It's like we have something in common and it is it has taken me places just by being a part of a community like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd like to turn your attention to your music now. Uh, in interviews, you've been quoted as saying that you're, you're, you describe your sound as digital soul. And I know that uh, Loop 21 uh, quoted, was quoted as saying that Aaron Baird blends uh, technology and soul for unique sound. Can you tell us a little bit about how you craft those songs uh, and mix the technical with that twist of soul? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd say 99% of the time I'm writing these songs sitting down at a piano. That's always where they start because I think that the content itself and song structure and lyric and melody and harmony are such important elements that they all need to be really addressed and, and crafted with a higher knowledge of concept. You know, like if I'm writing a song about unrequited love or requited love for that matter, like every single piece goes into making it support the overall concept. So I, I start from like a really songwriter-based spot. Mm -hmm. And then I'll arrange it with the band and then it, it comes together and we kind of have more of an idea of where I need to supplement with the, t with the software. And then I'll write vocal arrangements, we'll do some looping, we'll, you know. And, and it's something that is continuing to evolve. I just reformatted like half of my entire set two weeks ago <laughs> because things need to change so that they're fresh and they don't stagnate. So I think it starts from a really organic place and then eventually becomes more digital. Gotcha. But then gotcha. I always strive to have like a really solid balance between analog and digital. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I totally understand that. So I've, I've actually had the opportunity to see you perform live and your live performances are, uh, are really something that people should experience. And I'm kind of curious, uh, do you find it difficult to bring what you do in the studio because of all the technical aspects of it to the live stage? Well, the hardest thing is moving all my stuff around. <laughs> <laughs> so in that respect, yeah, it's a really big pain in my butt. But no, I mean, that's what the beauty of Ableton and the computer or any doorway that you're using for that matter is. It's like... I can bring the DJ booth and the studio and the stage all in one place for everybody to experience. Mm -hmm. And it helps me to reach a, a wider demographic in some ways. Oh, yeah. You know, it's absolutely. not just a live show anymore. It's like something between um, like a dance party and a jazz club show and a stadium, you know. We make a lot of sound for being three people. <laughs> That's true. Very true. People really need to see the, see her perform. This is just, it's really an incredible experience I appreciate that. for me. Thank you. All right. You know, Aaron, uh, what I'd like to do right now is take a listen to one of your songs. What are we going to hear? We're going to listen to uh, the first single off my album. It's called Good Man. And we're actually about to release a video for it that I shot about a month ago. And um, I think the song is interesting because I literally wrote it in about 20 minutes. Oh. I was on my way to a rehearsal and I was ill prepared. <laughs> and so instead of getting on the subway, I was so late to rehearsal, I couldn't, I didn't even have time to get on the subway. I had to call a cab uh -huh. to take my butt to rehearsal. And I didn't want my band members to know that I wasn't ready. And so I literally wrote the lyrics in the cab on the way to rehearsal, like out of my mind, completely frazzled. And I think that it somehow removed my inner critic and it, it was one of the, it's one of the better songs I've ever written. Oh, all right. Excellent. 
Well, this is Good Man by Aaron Barr. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
you just listened to Good Man by Aaron Barr. Where can we people find and buy your music at? You can buy it um, at a myriad of places, one being iTunes, we're on Amazon, we're on Google Music, we're in your local record stores, we're coming to a town near you. <laughs> Definitely recommend that. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. so, you know, it's, it's not hard to find any, anywhere online, and if you just even Google my name, you will, you will find a gateway to listen to the music and or purchase it. Okay, everybody knows how to spell Google, okay? so <laughs> And no my last name is now. spelled B-A-R-R-A. All right, excellent. Now, I know that you're a big uh, user of the Alberton. Ableton. I can never say that right. Makes you able. Ableton. Okay, all right, that's right. All right, all right. I have to remember that one. Don't, don't sue me, company. Uh, but you're a big user of the Ableton Live software. Um, how did that come about, and what's that been like, that whole experience for you? Um, it's been good. You know, I, I really just started because I, I was looking for a way to consolidate some of my costs because touring with five live musicians and a tour manager is really expensive. So, um, you know, I was looking for ways to cut some corners and I thought, you know, maybe using some technology would really be an easy way to do that. And then it, it just blossomed into something much larger. Like I've really, every single step of this way has been sh sheerly out of necessity. I never was a vocalist. I was always writing songs, and then I started singing them because I needed somebody to sing them. And when we were in the studio, I learned how to use Pro Tools and Ableton because I didn't, couldn't afford to pay somebody to edit my Pro Tools sessions. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I started doing it. And then, you know, when we started doing more touring and it became important to keep the overhead low, it was just like, oh, I have this technological skill, I have these instrumental skills, I have you know, these singing skills now, and there was like nothing was ever planned. It's just like all has become one now. And I think that that's actually testimony to why people respond well to me is because it's just like there's nothing fake about what I'm doing. I just, it's just been one step in front of the other and, and whatever it is I'm doing now is just another spot in the evolution. Excellent. Excellent. No, that's, that's great. You can continue to evolve musically. I think so many performers uh, become stagnant. They get used to what there is, quote, their sound. Oh, yeah. And they don't, they don't grow anything beyond that for fear that they're going to lose some sort of audience base. Well, I'm thankful for my, my fan base following me to the brink of electronica because <laughs> really, like, some people like to compartmentalize me and say, oh, you're an urban soul artist. And then now they see me on stage and I'm playing bass and keys and, you know, running, like, live glitches and computer programs. And that's not who I was two years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's like a blessing and a curse, I guess. <laughs> no, no, no. It's hard no. to remarket yourself every year and a half. but Well, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously what you're, you're more comfortable doing. And that's, that's, just, that's part of it, I would imagine. For sure. Otherwise, it's going to become boring to you. So this year, I understand you went to Sundance and you were at the festival there. Um, I did. What was that like? How did it go for you? That's, that's it was very cool. exhausting. It's um, very much like any other conference or meeting of lots and lots of people who think they're massively important. <laughs> um, okay. You know, for me, it's like the, the opportunity was fantastic to play for filmmakers and people who are of a higher profile and potentially very, you know, impactful on my career. Um, it, was, it was a ton of performing. We did, I think we did eight shows in six days. Really? Yeah. Is, uh, okay, wow. Uh, two of which I ended up having to cancel because I was so 
exhausted mm -hmm. that my voice was starting to give out. So I just was like saving up energy for the really big ones. And I got a lot of support from my performing rights organization, ASCAP. Mm -hmm. They um, put me on their their Sundance showcase, and you know it's it's made a world of difference. That's excellent. Yeah, That's we excellent. had an LA Times feature because of what happened there, and you know it's like stuff like stuff like that, that kind of press and uh -huh. the exposure you get, you can't really quantify. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> not at all, not at all. It doesn't translate that way. You just have to wait and see what shakes out from mm -hmm. it. So, uh, besides creating your own music, um, I understand you also write for other artists. Uh, what's it like writing for other people versus yourself? And uh, who are some of the people you've written for? Um, I think it's easier to write for other people just because I have such like crazy high expectations for my own material. And I constantly, um, not criticizing, but Running edit editing, editing myself. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's hard to be really objective with your own material. But when I'm looking at somebody else's, it's real easy to say, this is what's wrong with that. Let's change these lyrics. This hook is needs to be amended melodically or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. like, cause my degree is actually in songwriting. So that's, uh, that's one of the easier things for me to do. Okay. I've worked with a lot of different artists, everyone from, you know, as I have, um, a freelance website that I run. So I get people asking me to write songs for their 16 year old daughter's birthday yeah. to like artists on Atlantic. I'm working with um, a young artist on Atlantic. His name's Otis. Um, they're just in a development stage. So we're creating like crazy amounts of songs mm -hmm. right now for an album that may or may not ever come out. <laughs> <laughs> but then I've worked with like country artists. There's, um, there's a Grammy winning artist. Her name's Kathy Matea. Yeah. That I had a song for her right after like the her whole hurricane Katrina time and you know i've worked with john oates from holland oates mm -hmm. done a lot of different very scattered things <laughs> <laughs> but i i like to work with independence mostly to tell you the honest truth well that's, that's good that's good all right you know Aaron, let's take a listen to one of your other songs what are we going to hear uh this song is called magician and um it's a it's the same title as another song by a group called the marvelettes and their song was very, uh, very indicative of the time and the, and the relationship between men and women in the 50s. It was very straightforward and saccharine saying, you know, oh, my baby must be a magician because he's just got me under his spell. And uh -huh. I've been, you know, I'm f completely under the spell of love. And at the time, I was kind of in the throes of a very tumultuous relationship. And I thought to myself, this is so not real. And so I decided to okay. um, create my own version of the song. So it's got the same title and the same premise, but instead of, you know, it being all rainbows and unicorns, I have taken my own 21st century <laughs> spin on it. All right. This is Magician by Aaron Barr. Thank you. 
broke Once broke up his hand by the sea up in smoke He's always got a new way to make me blush My baby's got that magic touch He parts my pride With an open sesame heard magician by aaron barr you know now reading over your uh, bio and, and the information i got from you one of the things that kind of just really stuck out for me is that i understand that you're uh, 
you're distributed on Joan Jett's label, Blackheart. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. When I saw that, it just like it just doesn't seem like a fit like that. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, they how have did that a happen? really long-standing um, history of supporting women that rock. Okay. You know, it's like there are really only female artists on the label, mm-hmm. and the whole story behind Blackheart is that you know when Joan Jett released "I Love Rock and Roll." They went from label to label saying, you know, we have this, we have this record and it's going to be huge and everyone turned her down. Mm-hmm. And so they independent release, and independently released it uh-huh. and have remained independent from that day. That's great. So it's like, how many millions of units are you selling of these records? And, and they've done it all on Blackheart from the very beginning. So I think it was kind of a fit, not only because I'm a female and I do what I want my own way, but I'm also an entrepreneur. And she, her and Kenny Laguna have this history of just, you know, like doing it this way, whether or not you're helping me getting mm-hmm. it done. So I think in, in that regards, it, it fits. Uh, no, no, no. That, that makes sense when you explain it like that. I think probably a lot of people wouldn't think Joan Jett record label anything that isn't like her type of music you know or or i'm one of the very few on the label that aren't straight you know pop Mm -hmm. punk uh, of some you know appendage of the punk genre gotcha gotcha Aaron, if people want to find you if they want to come out and see you where's the best place they can get all the information to learn about you besides this interview we have um we're on all the different social media platforms so if you're a facebook person or a twitter person we're definitely there and easily accessible. And we have a great website, just erinbarra.com, E-R-I-N-B-A-R-R-A. And, um, you know, besides that, hopefully you'll see us on your television or Excellent. in your local paper. Well, you know, uh, I want to ask, what's next for you, Where do you go oh, from man. here? <laughs> hopefully, uh, whatever my definition of success is, and I think that keeps changing every day, but... I just want to be happy, and I want to be able to make music my way and live somewhat of a comfortable life. So, you know, whether that means Madison Square Garden or writing for other artists, I just, I hope that that's next. Gotcha. You know, happiness and, and more music. Cool, cool. Well, I uh, want to thank you for taking your time out of this tour to sit down and talk with us. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for um, having me. Oh, no, no, pleasure's mine. Uh, all right, everybody. You, uh, you, thank you for joining us. Until the next show, uh, we have, this is Aaron Barra with thank us. Thank you so much for listening. Great, thank right, you thank very you much. Thank you very much. Ugly fans. The statements, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals and in no way reflect the views of Unclean Bands, its parent company, or subsidiaries. <laughs>